0: Welcome to another episode of The Cooling Solution where we look to empower you with awareness and actionable insight. You know, there are a host of skills that one needs to be competitive in today's work environment. And if you think about it, over the last several years, many of us have done so many things to be more competitive. We've learned new things, we read all types of books, but we also try to find a lot of shortcuts and hacks guest today, Dr. Wayne Baker, says there's one particular skill you can focus on to really have success in today's work environment. I mean, just think about that. One thing you can focus on to be competitive. So with that, I'd like to invite Wayne Baker to The Coiling Solution. Welcome, Wayne.
1: Oh, thank you, James. I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you for being here. And I'd like to properly introduce you, of course. Let me go through your bio briefly. Dr. Wayne Baker is the Robert P. Tomei Professor of Business Administration at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business and Faculty Director of the Center for Positive Organizations. Dr. Baker is author of All You Have to Do is Ask, as well as five other books and many scholarly articles. Focused on social capital, social networks, generosity, and positive organizations, he has contributed to Harvard Business Reviews, Chief Executive Magazine, and Sloan Management Review. A frequent guest speaker and management consultant, Baker is a co-founder and board member of Give and Take Incorporated, developers of the Giveitize platform, based on principles and all you have to do is ask. Again, welcome to the Coiling Solution, Wayne. Great. Thank you, James. So one of the things I'd like like to do um, from the onset is help the audience get to know people a little bit more personally. So maybe one thing you can share with the audience that people who really believe they know you best do not know about you.
1: Well, one time uh, I got my family lost in the Canadian wilderness, and that's when our son was just eight years old. And it was me reaching out. I had a radio, me reaching out and asking for help. That uh, rescued us was actually the Good Samaritan, who someone we didn't know at all um, came and helped us out. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I asked because I was I was completely desperate, mm. um, and many people don't ask for what they need until they get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I always advise people that you want to make asking uh, a regular habit and not wait until you're desperate. Yeah. but in that case, I was desperate.
0: You were desperate, and I have to ask because you know it's a, it's a man thing, right? I know I know how we can be sometimes. <laughs> did, did your wife have to coax you to ask, or did you do it without reluctance?
1: Oh, I was not reluctant at all. I felt so responsible. You know, it was I, I felt like I got us in this fix. Our son was only eight years old. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I was really desperate. So uh, uh so nothing got in the way of me trying to solve that problem.
0: So you went right in. No problems, no hesitation. Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, I have to tell you, I found your work, uh, the book and the work that you've done uh intriguing. Cause when you say all you have to do is ask and the fact that you know that as a skill is in and of itself, interesting, right? And I think to people who, um, have kind of climbed and, you know, certain degree scraped their way along the way, right? Part one and people who are givers, I think will find this to be more difficult than they originally will, will, will believe at the onset, right? I, I think if we go through some of this conversation. So let me start here. How did you, you know, find yourself into this research? How, you know, what, what led to you even getting into this research?
1: 21 years ago, my wife, Cheryl, and I created an activity that's called the reciprocity ring. Mm-hmm. It's a face-to-face activity in which people ask for what they need, but they spend most of their time helping other people. Mm. You know, I've got the answer, I've got the resource, or I could tap my network and, and refer you to someone. Uh, we now have a virtual version of that because no one's doing the face-to-face version of the reciprocity ring, but you could do it virtually as well. And back then, it was really interesting, I always introduced the activity the same way with a little lecture on the importance of generosity, of being helpful, of being a giver. You know, James, that was rarely the problem. Hmm. Most people were incredibly generous, but almost everyone struggled with asking, coming up what they wanted to ask, why they wanted to ask for it, and so forth. And so I had this shift, and I started focusing on, you know, why are there so many barriers to asking for what you need? Right. How do you figure out a thoughtful, effective request? How do you figure out who to ask? And uh, what could you do as a team leader or an organizational leader if you want to create these practices? So I, dec- I try to cover everything from the individual up through the team to the entire organization. But it's based on that core insight that requesting is actually the key to the giving receiving cycle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you covered so well. And, you know, one of the things I noted early on is you said that uh, your research says across Fortune 500 companies. By not asking, people not asking,
1: those companies are losing billions, right? Can you say more about that? Well, you think about the kind of resources that you need to be successful in the workplace. One, it's it's what you know, right? It's your knowledge, your experiences. It's the kind of things that would show up on your resume. That's half of it. The other half is that you need to tap your network to get the inflow of resources mm. to be creative and effective. You know, there's a lot of times I can say, okay, I can, you know, I could, you know, bang my head against the wall trying to solve this problem for days on end. You know, if I reach out and I consult a colleague or ask for a brainstorming session or get a referral to an expert, I might be able to solve the problem much more quickly and much more effectively. So a lot of times people focus on the first, which we call is your human capital. That's what you know, but you have to build your social capital. And I think in today's world, that is the most important skill is how do you tap that social capital to get the resources that you need to be successful?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you, you probably just hit on the question I was going to ask, which is why is asking so important for success? But I just heard two things in there. One was efficiency, right? So saving time and getting certain things done. But the other one was is buildup of social capital. Are there other things? Well, first of all, are those two right in terms of what I just heard from you, from what you just said?
1: Oh, you can, you solve problems faster, mm-hmm. come up with better solutions. You could be more creative if you reach out and ask, mm-hmm. you know, but there are a lot of barriers to it. Um, you know, most people think that, you know, if I ask, no one's going to be able to help me. In fact, that's one of the key obstacles. You know, we really underestimate other people's willingness and ability to help. Yeah, I've seen that over the years with the activities that I've done. And there's a lot of research to back this up as well. That, you know, if you ask, people will help. A lot of people want to be generous, but they can't help you right. unless they either can read your mind or you make a request. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when you when you talk about that, um, you know, one of the things you said, and I'll quote you from the book, when we give ourselves permission to ask, we unlock generosity and miracles happen. So the question I would ask to your point of these barriers, right, what has to be true in order to give yourself that permission?
1: Well, you have to uh, overcome those barriers. So one is that you have to realize, and in fact, most people will help if you ask. Another is that you have to get over the obstacle of thinking that others will feel you're incompetent Mm. or you're weak or Mm. not able to do your job. And there's research, some new research that's out there that will help us to update that belief. And that research says, as long as you make a thoughtful request, people will think you are more competent, not less. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another, a number of other obstacles as well. Sometimes, you know, we over-rely on self-reliance. Self-reliance is an important principle, but it's possible to take it too far. Yeah. You know, when we could be a lot more effective, uh, we could reduce our stress, by reaching out and asking for resources and input from other people.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And you know, when you talked about that point of uh, you know people feeling like you are incompetent, right? That feels like, particularly in corporate environment, that 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 breaches on the the topic that we've all dealt with for a while, which is psychological safety, right, or lack thereof uh, in cultures. Can you talk about if your research touched on that at all or not?
1: Psychological safety is a concept that was developed by Amy Edmondson at Harvard Business School. And it's really an insightful concept. Psychological safety is that you feel that the workplace is safe for interpersonal risk-taking, that you can ask questions, you can request a resource, you can admit a mistake Mm -hmm. without reprisals and so forth. A lot of workplaces are not psychologically safe. So people will say, well, you write about a lot of tools, you know, that a team leader can use in an organization to create giving and asking, but what if it's not a psychologically safe place? Right. So what I have found is that it's kind of circular. If it is psych- psychologically safe, the tools work really well. Mm. If it's not psychologically safe, the tools will still work. And each time you use them, it makes the workplace a little bit safer. Mm. When the workplace becomes a little bit safer, the tools become even more effective. Mm. So a lot of these are practices or behaviors uh, I can give you a real quick example at, at the team level. So we're all familiar with uh, the daily standup. It's mm-hmm. very popular in IT and software development, but I think it has widespread application. Uh, we use it in our, with our staff at the Center for Positive Organizations, for example. But the way it typically works, you know, at a given, you know, same time every day, say 10 in the morning, everyone stands in a circle and you quickly will address three points. Here's what I worked on yesterday. Here's what I'm working on today. And here's a resource that I need. Right. So now now these days people are doing that remotely through Zoom. Right. Right. So you could do it that way as well. I've participated. We've shifted at the center from an uh, in-person stand up to a virtual stand up with that we do with Zoom. and It works just as well. When you think about that, it makes it psychologically safe because, you know, that everyone is in the same boat. Everyone is supposed to make a request. In fact, not making a request is letting the group down. You know, it's a really different, you know, if if the spotlight's on you and you're making the request and you're taking the risk and everyone's just watching, you know, you're going to be really reluctant. You'll feel really vulnerable. But if everyone has to do it, it makes it a lot easier.
0: Got it. Oh, that's a great example. You know, one of the premises I believe that you talk about is givers often feel, to your point that they are doing such a service in giving, right? And feel so guilty about receiving. And I think one of the things you really expound on in the law of giving and re- receiving is that givers actually are doing themselves and others a disservice, just like you talked about in the stand-up a little bit, but I'd love you to talk about that law of giving and receiving a little bit.
1: Yeah, so the one thing that I've done is uh, develop an assessment uh, where people can rate themselves on their propensity to ask and their propensity to give. hmm uh, that assessment is in the book. There's also a free version of it up on the website for the book. And what we found is that there are four main types of people. The most common type, the biggest category is the overly generous giver. A lot of people are there, mm. which is, and, and you want to be generous. Generosity is a very important principle, an important virtue, but it is possible to take it too far. Mm. You, you take it too far if you get burned out. You take it too far if you're not getting the resources that you need. Or you can't live up to your prior commitments, or you start squandering your resources. Right. So that's a very common one to be. And it's very comfortable Mm -hmm. uh, because you, you know, you get a great reputation for being so generous. Gotcha. Right. So the opposite of the overly generous giver is what I call the selfish taker. Now that's a person that has no problem asking, but they don't help very many people. And over time, uh, the reputation suffers and their productivity declines because people stop helping. them. They see what they're doing, yeah. right? The third type is probably the most tragic, and that's the the lone wolf, uh, the person who doesn't ask, the person who doesn't give. And I say tragic because they're just really disconnected from, from the world, from the workplace. So the fourth category is the best place to be, and it really exemplifies the law of giving and receiving. And that is what I call the giver-requester. That is, you're generous. You help other people. You don't keep track of who helped you in return. You just help people when you can, but you put appropriate boundaries on that so you don't get burned out Mm -hmm. or squander your resources. And at the same time, you're a frequent requester. You think about, you know, what are the resources that I need? And I'm going to ask for those resources. So you're over time, you're living that law by doing both. You're giving and then you're asking and receiving.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. And you said a lot of folks are in this overly generous bucket. Do you have, from the work you did, any percentages between those four buckets?
1: Oh, it's probably about 70%, maybe 75. Wow. I would say only 10% are in the giver, requester category.
0: Wow, wow, wow. So then as you go to work with organizations that want to see you know, an anticipated increases in productivity, so on and so forth. Um, maybe maybe share a story or so about, you know, what you've seen organizations achieve with this, as well as what the implementation has looked like in terms of using your tools.
1: It's really interesting. When I go into a setting, uh, there's often somebody, and sometimes it's a couple of people who will say, you know, I just don't believe that this tool is going to work or this activity is going to be up. I don't believe it. Yeah. And I always say, you know, this isn't really about belief. I said, well, will you just do it? Will you just participate in the activity? And they'll say, okay. And when they participate in the activity, at the end, they go, oh, now I get it. Now Mm -hmm. I believe because Mm -hmm. my experience has become the evidence for updating my belief. Mm -hmm. So that's what I call the behavior first principle is that you don't have to convince anyone that this is going to work. You just got to get them to use the tools and then they'll see that they actually work. Um, So I can give you a great example. This was from a a senior engineer in one of the big automakers. And he was working on some complex metallurgical problem. And I have to confess, I didn't understand really what he was talking about, but but other people did. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I've been working on this problem. And what I really need to do is consult with an expert on this particular uh, engineering problem. But so he gave voice. He very reluctant, but you know, he was getting desperate. Requested this in one of these group activities, one of these tools, and other people were there. They were listening, and help came from the most unlikely place. Hmm. It was a 22 year old admin who had recently been hired by the firm. It would say, "How could this? This person was not an engineer. Right. How could that person help?" Well, it turned out uh, that her father was the world's expert on this particular engineering process. Hmm. Uh, he had recently retired and his wife was encouraging him to spend more time outside of the home. You know, so, uh, you know, a referral was made because remember I said before, those are the two ways you can help. Yeah. You've got the answer, the resource you can share it or tap your network. Right. So this 22 year old tapped their network, introduced the engineer to her father and they worked together and solved the problem.
0: Gotcha. Great. And for those companies, what would those leaders say in terms of the outcomes, right? If they were here to testify in terms of implementing some of those tools and processes, how would they speak to the outcomes? What would they say you think?
1: Well, there's a couple of really important outcomes. One is that people get problems solved like that engineer. Yeah. And I have lots and lots of examples of that. Yeah. Another one is that you get the problem solved faster or you get a better solution. Another is that you just achieve some uh, operational efficiencies. Yeah. So I've, I've come to believe that all of the resources that we need to be successful are there somewhere in the network, just outside of our fingertips. Mm-hmm. And the only way you could get them is by asking and mobilizing the network. And then you could find them that way. Since most people, what I found the dilemma in the workplace is that it's not that people won't give. People give us that. The dilemma is that most people won't ask. And if you don't ask, all of those resources are just squandered. Yeah. They're just dormant. They're not used. Yeah. That's why asking is so important because it really energizes the network, gets the resources moving.
0: That's great. And I know you have a number of tools for people to use. And I love your your point of, um, you don't have to believe. Give the tool a shot and let, your be, let the behavior and the experience change your belief. If you were to... You know, give people a um, a reason to go try a tool, or maybe better stated, if people are saying, you know what, maybe I want to give this a shot, but I'm not sure I'm willing to do the polar bear plunge yet. But I'll try one tool, right? Tell me, Wayne, what tool should I try if I'm going to try one tool? Where would you lead me?
1: Well, there's four parts to making a thoughtful request, and I would I would lead you through that process and use a couple of the methods that I that I have in the book. So this this would be at the individual level, but I've done it with with groups as well. So the first step in making a thoughtful request is figuring out what are you actually trying to achieve? Mm. You know, a lot of times people have made a request of me and I've helped them and then they realize, oh, you know, that's not really what I needed after all. Right? You know, so you got to have a sense of what's the goal? What's the objective? This is the thoughtful part. Mm. Then you say, okay, well, I have that objective. What's a resource that I need? Do I need expert advice? Do I need a referral? Do I need money? Do I need whatever? And you figure out what that would be. And then you've got to go to the third part, which is formulating an effective request, which has five criteria. I call them smart criteria, mm-hmm. different from smart criteria for goals. So very quickly, the S is for specific. You want to make a very specific re- request for a particular resource. And that's because uh, it's the way in which the human memory works. Mm. If I make a specific request, it triggers people's memories of what they know and who they know. The M is meaningful. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is different than the M for smart goals, which is measurable, which is great. Right. But here it's meaning, It's the why of the request. You know, it's amazing. Many people leave that out. They just assume you must know it's important because I'm making the request. Gotcha. But people don't know. Right. You need to explain why it's important. Mm. The A is for action. You're asking for something to be done. The R is for strategically realistic, mm-hmm. which means that it's, I encourage people to make big requests, stretch requests, little requests, as long as, as, long as they're genuine requests uh but it has to be within you know has to be realistic has to be within the has to be you know possible and then the t is time you want a deadline and if a specific deadline is a lot more motivating than a general deadline yeah so you know you go through this process um and and one good way to get started with this and this would be the advice i would give is to use what i call the quick start method i write about this in the book uh the quick start method has five questions um they're incomplete sentences there's two parts missing in each sentence. And if you fill these out, I've done this in executive education with groups or with individuals, you get a pretty good sense of what you're trying to achieve and why. And I can tell you at least two of those. So um, I'm currently working on, mm-hmm. and you would fill in that blank, and I could use help too. All right, so you fill in those two blanks. Another one would be is that I'm my biggest challenge at work is, and I would benefit from, mm-hmm. You know, and there's three other ones you would have, and there's a list of five. But if you go through those, yes, it, it takes maybe five, 10 minutes to do it. You get a much firmer sense of, okay, what am I trying to achieve? What's the resource that I need? How right. can I formulate it as a smart request?
0: No, that's good. That is really good. That's really good. And so they can get some of these resources at your website, correct? That's right. Yep. And, and would you say it for folks real quick, the website you would tell them to go to?
1: So the title of the book is All You Have to Do is Ask. Uh, that's also the website. So it's all you have to do is ask.com. Uh, the assessment that I mentioned, that's free. Uh, I invite people to take the assessment. And if you do, uh, you'll get a really nice report that compares you against in, against the aggregate of others who have taken it. Yeah. You'll see where you are in those two dimensions. Um, there's a learning map that kind of is a really nice visual that takes you through the whole journey. Um, that's a free download. There are articles, podcasts. And i really... I've really seen that this makes such a positive difference in people's lives. It helps team leaders be more effective. It helps organizational leaders create a culture of generosity, um, you know, that I want people to have access to this. So you can get a lot of this stuff uh, free by going to the website.
0: No, it's awesome. And I, you know, I personally love that two things. One is research based. You've done some work with organizations and I love how you carried it from the early part of dealing with uh, the the point of you know giving again is often seen as the you know the the ultimate right and in, in walking through the barriers that often keep you know hold us back how we get over those barriers how you deal with psychological safety how you put that both from the personal uh take it from a personal perspective and deal with the, the corporate perspective as well and then have these tools that help people you know get through that um, I love the uh, the holistic approach to it Yeah. Well, listen, Coraline Solution audience, um, you've heard it first from Dr. Wayne Baker. Um, Wayne, anything else you would add to that before we wrap up?
1: Sometimes people are still stuck, even after I try to motivate them and give them tools and so forth. And so what I'll end with is um, a little mantra that I've developed that I think uh, people have found helpful. And I call it join, give, ask. Mm. So the join is to join something. Mm -hmm. right? It could be a a task force, a new committee. It could be a group in your community. Um, It could be a LinkedIn group, something. Join. Then look for opportunities to give to others, you know, to help them. And then finally, the ask. Gotcha. You know, you'll feel you've earned the privilege of asking by having joined and helped other people first. Uh, And one way you could do that is by going to our website for Give and Take, Inc., so it's giveandtakeinc.com. And we have several free open access Give communities. There's one for Excellent. people in HR. There's one for uh, women at work. There's maybe six, maybe eight of them now. They're very large networks of people all committed to this idea of helping one another and requesting what they need. Uh, and again, that's a free resource. Excellent. You can go there, make look for opportunities to help people. So you could join it, yep. you can help people, and then you can post a request for something you need.
0: Excellent. Excellent. It sounds like an appeal to the uh, over-generous givers, right? <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> Let them give
0: first, and that way they don't feel guilty about asking. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, again, Core Link Solution audience, you've heard it from Dr. Wayne Baker. All you have to do is ask so you can get out your own way and use this incredible skill to further accelerate your careers. Wayne, thank you again for, for joining and being part of the Corlink Solution.
1: Oh, thank you, James. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you.